Hello and welcome to Vintage Rock Pod Side 2. This is the weekly classic rock magazine style podcast that comes out every Friday. I'm Paul Stevenson. Thanks as always for hitting play. Now, on this episode, I speak to a man who's been in the business since the mid-70s. In fact, Rolling Stone magazine named his band's album the best debut album of 1975, and just a few years ago placed that same album on the list of the 50 greatest prog albums of all time. High praise indeed. I'm talking about the band Crack the Sky, and you'll hear from their frontman John Palumbo on the band's history, plus their new album Tribes, and about his new solo album Hollywood Boulevard 2. But first, a shout to say if you haven't checked out the big interview on Monday's show with punk legend Rat Scabies from The Damned, then it's definitely worth going back for a listen. He talks about that early scene with stories of the movement's biggest names, Malcolm McLaren, Sid Vicious, Chrissy Hind, The Sex Pistols, the ill-fated Anarchy in the UK tour and much more, including how he feels about the original four members reuniting for the first time in decades for a tour next year. Now, one of those original four, of course, was Captain Sensible. He was the bass player in that original lineup. He later moved to guitar when Brian left the band. And I interviewed Captain about oh, eight years ago or so for a radio show that I used to do. So it seems as good a time as any to play that interview for you now. Now, Captain Sensible, as well as being a punk, also had a pop career, which included the UK number one single Happy Talk, another top ten hit with Glad It's All Over, and another hit called What? That's uh, W-O-T. So in this clip from that interview, we talk all about punk, pop and snooker. Going back to, to the early days then, in the 70s when you came through in the punk movement and everything like that, I, I remember hearing an interview with you once and you always, uh, you mentioned like a lot of the, the uh, musicians of the time kind of floated around a little bit, didn't they? Like so Chrissy Hind and Johnny Rotten and Susie Sue and you kind of, you mixed with them all. What was that like back then? Well, um, I can only speak for London, really, but it was a bit of a melting pot at the time, and everyone was trying everyone else out as a potential member for their um, new newfangled punk groups. In fact, there wasn't even uh, a name punk at the time. We, none of us knew that we were going to be part of a movement. It was just that we were trying to do something different from the what we considered to be um, nonsense um, that you that was on the stages um, mm. around the country at the time. I, it, all these stadium acts. I mean, I mean, you know, you you couldn't see them. You had to, uh, you just be like an ant on the stage, and uh, it didn't didn't mean anything because they were all singing songs about pixies and King Arthur's <laughs> Round Table and Merlin, and uh, you know what was that all about? So we wanted to write gritty songs about real life on British streets, you know, and uh, it became the punk movement. And so did, and you came up with like the, the Sex Pistols and the Clash and a massive movement that kind of all forged from there. What was it like back then, kind of being involved with that sort of movement? then because once it did become punk and it, the label was added to it you guys were kind of held up as like the forerunners of that weren't it well, what was that like well in hindsight it does appear as though it might have been kind of exciting and glamorous but i can assure you that walking down the road uh, wearing you know uh, your punk clobber and getting <laughs> chased by um, you know, a pub load of uh, geezers who uh, uh, who'd been whipped up into an anti-punk frenzy by our uh, fabulous British tabloid newspaper so that wasn't a lot of fun at all you know I do remember having to talk myself out of fights quite often uh, I'm, I'm not remotely the aggressive type you know but um but it seemed to be uh, we seemed to get up people's noses at the time and uh there you go. I mean, now we, you know, uh, I think we deserve medals. To be quite honest, for uh, for what we did, where we put Britain at the forefront of a, of a music revolution, 
And the likes of uh, the Stranglers and the Clash and the Damned and the Pistols, you know, we uh, we put our necks above the parapets. And, and we, you know, that nowadays the famous punk groups are uh, all American. You have mm. people like Green Day and uh, and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if they'd know punk rockers that came up and bit their bums. But, uh, uh, I mean, I know we we meant it at the time, and it was it wasn't glamorous at all. It was it was chaos, but it was blooming good fun. Crazy, isn't it? So, how did you go then from um, from being this uh, big kind of punk movement and everything like that to to being Mister Captain Sensible solo? And I'm going to ask you about Happy Talk as well. I mean, where did all that come from? How did you get into that? Yes, that was very strange, <laughs> and it came about because. Uh, I would write songs for the damned in the rehearsal in a demo studio, and um, a lot of them were rejected because they were kind of too melodic. <sighs> and uh, I, I started to accumulate some really good little tunes, you know, um, uh, on the strength of which I got a recording contract with A&M Records um, and went in the studio to record it for them. And we, we finished it. We had nine songs, which gives you an unbalanced kind of five on one side, four on the other side um, album. And I, uh, the producer said, go home and look for your mum and dad's records and find something wacky and we'll do a cover version of it. And I came back with Happy Talk. And, uh, you know, it changed my life kind of thing. It certainly did, didn't it? It took off everywhere, all over Europe and that kind of thing. And it was difficult as well because you were kind of leading, leading a double life almost, weren't you? You were Captain Sensible touring Europe as, as Captain Sensible promoting things like Happy Talk and then you're kind of coming back and maybe in the same day you were performing a big punk gig in the night time with Dan- the Damned as well that must have taken some toll on you yeah so it really was a schizoid career and um, not just for me um, because I I really behaved the same you know I, I I'm kind of, you know, I was fond of a beer and I would, uh, you know, demolish a case of beers quite easily, you know, whether it was a damn dressing room or a Captain Sensible dressing room. But um, the audience must have thought, uh, if they'd come along to see Captain Sensible perform happy talks and things like that, you know, and they took kids along and I went on stage, I, I might have, like, a, uh, occasionally uttered the uh, the odd um, you know cuss word uh, that that didn't go down terribly well and I uh, I I've got clippings at home from newspapers of you know uh, Dave's disgrace you know and um, uh, people who demanded their money back um, expecting to hear a bunch of like nice little pop songs and uh, what they got was Captain Sensible the full on kind of maniac from the dams you know. <laughs> One of the first times I saw you on TV actually was when you did the What performance on Top of the Pops and you started off in the, was it blow up bed or something like that on the floor and then you got up and you had the pink furry trousers. What was going on there? Well, yes, you might ask. <laughs> the thing about Top of the Pops, I just remember with great affection getting encouraged to go completely over the top by the Top of the Pops producers, you know. Mm. And uh, it was aided and abetted, of course, by the fact that uh, upstairs on the top floor of um, Television Centre was a subsidised bar. And you'd be up there with UB40 and Kim Wilde and orchestral manoeuvres and Howard Jones and people like that. And you'd be, you know, then somebody would come and say, oh, you're on stage in five minutes, you know, and you put your drink down and you go and behave kind of badly. And uh, <laughs> um, The snooker song, Big Break, how did all that come about? How did that all kind of merge into one? Ah, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, 
smoothest song. Well, I've never been known to um, pick up the phone and somebody makes an offer and uh, and I slam the phone down. So that's not a sort of thing I want to do. Sling your hook. I mean, um, I'll do absolutely anything because you know I was uh, a toilet cleaner. Uh, that was the job I had before I, you know, uh, became uh, a showbiz mm. so-called personality. And uh, it's always been at the back of my mind the dread of having to go back to cleaning bogs again. Uh, you know, so I mean, I never turn anything down. That's the thing. And um, Mike Bat rang me up and said, uh, "Yeah, I mean, we all knew Mike Bat from Watership Down and the Wombles and all that sort of stuff." So uh, I, I didn't say no. I, I went along and met him, and I recorded this thing. And uh, you know, for one of his albums, it was called "The Hunting of a Snark." The next thing you know is uh, I had the TV on, and um, there's a, now a new TV program starring Jim Davidson. It's called Big Break, and my song comes on. You know, <laughs> and I thought it was just blimey. Um, that's not the reason I uh, recorded, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea, Jim Davidson, and uh, he certainly wasn't mine, so I was, I was a little shocked, but I mean, once again, it put me back at the, the, the in front of the, the public eye, and, and I did I did get, I did get paid for it, so there you go. Captain, it's been a pleasure to speak to you on the show. Cheers, nice one. Yeah, ta Always good value is Captain Sensible. I also interviewed him backstage at a festival some years ago too, in which it was probably the most bizarre interview I've ever done, in all honesty. Anyway, for more in-depth chat about punks and punk rock and all that sort of stuff, check out episode 30 of Vintage Rock Pod to hear from his bandmate Rat Scabies, or go back to episode 9 and hear from Buzzcocks guitarist Steve Diggle too. Right, now on to this week's main guest then, the frontman from a band formed in West Virginia that have always been strongly supported by Rolling Stone magazine. Critically acclaimed, absolutely. They just lacked that one killer hit that could push them over into stardom. Now, I caught up with John Palumbo a couple of days ago to chat about Crack the Sky, their history, new album, his new solo stuff, and much more too. So here you go, John Palumbo from Crack the Sky. I'm delighted to welcome to Vintage Rock Pod a man who's been on the go for over 45 years in the music business. Absolutely incredible. Please welcome John Palumbo from Crack the Sky. Hello, hello, hello. Hello indeed, John. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, as I said there, you've been on the go for such a long time. In fact, 1975 was the debut album. That was when your first album came out, wasn't it? Yeah, you're making me really old, but yeah, (laughs) that's when it came out. (laughs) I was was 10 when it came out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You started young. It's not a bad thing to do. Not a bad thing at all. Now, talking about that debut album, I mean, Rolling Stone were always a big fan of you guys weren't they and that debut album was yeah. the debut album of the year they they voted and then in a poll not so long ago as well they put that album in the top 50 prog albums of all time which is incredible yeah it was uh it was a nice tip of the hat it was really good we were excited about that especially when the first one came out we had no clue you know it was like okay well and then they they did a great review of it and it helped you know Absolutely. Because back then, Rolling Stone really was a, a music magazine. Yes. I think they've changed a little bit now. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't everything, but yeah, indeed, absolutely. Now, um, in terms of the, the old days as well, you guys, in the very early days, you toured with some huge names. I've got some written down here. ZZ Top, Yes, ELO, Rush, Supertramp, Foreigner, Zappa, Boston. I mean, that's yeah. an incredible who's who of bands that you toured with. I mean, who's, who's your favorite to tour with? Uh, Rush. 
Rush for sure. They were they were the nicest people. Uh, they I remember we would go to well the one gig we went to and and they wouldn't allow us to put our piano on stage for some reason. Uh, you know, it wasn't a grand. It was a you know a Warless or something. Um, and Rush told them they were not going to perform unless we got a piano on stage. So they were really good people. Yeah, it was like that. Good yeah. stuff. And did you did you learn anything from these sorts of big guys and, and huge acts that you were touring with? Yeah, we learned not to screw with the soundboard because they <laughs> they did that. Not Rush, but a lot of the other ones, they would like cut the soundboard and run tape across the fingers so you couldn't be as big sounding as them. And that was a pain. That was wrong, I thought. <laughs> I mean, we never did that when people opened for us. <laughs> you know. That's nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Now, the reason we've got you here is to talk about your, your new material. Now, you've you've been a very busy boy lately. I mean, Crack the Sky had an album come out recently uh, called Tribes. We'll, we'll start with that one. Um, fantastic album. It's, it's really current. I mean, some of the topics in there are, are really, really today. And, right. and the, the modern sounds and the modern vibes from the album is just tremendous. Great. Thank you. Yeah, it's... Uh... It was kind of kind of hard not to write about what was going on because uh, it's such an outrageous mess right now, and um, so even though I tried not to write a political piece, uh, yeah. it just gets in your head, you know. Absolutely, especially on like the title track "Tribes" and things like "Civil War," it definitely comes across in "Leader" and things like that in yeah. the album. Really does strike through about what's happening in the world today. Yeah, it sure is. And like I said, it would have been very difficult not to write about some of that stuff. I didn't want to make a whole political album out of it, but uh, mm-hmm. three or four songs are, you know, they touch on it. And it's more of an I didn't take any side. No. Uh, it's an observation Absolutely. more than anything. Yeah. And in terms of recording this album then with you and your bandmates, I mean, it's the thing now, isn't it, that the files are passed around the internet and people add their tracks and do this and the other. But this is something that you guys have been doing for a decade or so, haven't you? Yeah, because we're not located, we're located quite a distance from one another. And so I record in my studio here and then uh, the other guys, some of the other guys will record in their studio. And then we send it to to Rick's studio where three of them get together and they're live. So there's part of it is half of it is, you know, is cut with uh, in reality. You know, the, the rest is kind of like uh, visual video. Uh, and we just go forward like that. And we've been doing it for a while because of the location. Yeah. And uh, just touching on one more track on the album, my favorite track, it is kind of funny. It's called quick scene is always what, eight and a half minutes long, but it's a tremendous song. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. That seems to be the popular one uh, out of all of them. That, that seems <laughs> to be getting a lot of buzz. And uh, I guess some airplay on some stations don't care that it's eight minutes long, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> So you don't have to worry about that anymore. We used to worry about that, but nah. Uh, and that's one of the ones we'll be doing live because it should be it should be it should be a fun song to do live. Definitely. And you mentioned live there. I mean, are things starting to open up a bit more in America now? Have you got some dates in the diary? 
Yeah, just a little, only four dates because, you know, things are so slow to open. Yeah. The theater owners and club owners don't know really what to do. I mean, you, there's a lot of mixed messages here. Um, some places say wear a mask. Some places say don't wear a mask. Some places say, you know, no closer than six feet. Some places they're not allowed to fill the place. You know, it's it's really quite a mess they they have to get unified on what they want to do yeah, here. it's a difficult time isn't it for everybody and yeah, indeed and um just looking at something else that you guys are working on is there's a new compilation coming out isn't there which is going to be quite interesting songs in there it's not not the big hits it's it's songs that well the album's gonna be called yeah. between the cracks it's songs that kind of have slipped between the cracks perhaps. Yeah, yeah um record company's idea that was their idea and they thought that there was such good material um, that never saw the light of day. So they had us all uh, pick out our, you know, our songs that we would think would be, you know, interesting to put on there. And that's that's actually out now. It came out, yeah, 21st it came out. Yeah, it came out then, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, it's an interesting record for sure. And was it a fun process putting that one together then to, to try and choose some interesting tracks? Did you did you find that you were all kind of picking similar ones or did you all have completely different ideas? Uh, we A lot of it was very similar. In fact, I bailed out uh, <laughs> when I saw, you know, we were so close. I mean, uh, Ricky and Bobby and myself were like, I think we only differed on three songs. Wow. And so I just said, OK, you guys pick. Yeah, because nobody's banging heads about something like that. Yeah, <laughs> so it was it was kind of interesting to do. Uh, got to hear those songs again, you know. Even if it was snippets, you know, somebody would say, "Oh, the box," and I would say something like, "I don't know how that goes. I don't remember how that goes." <laughs> so I would have to go up to YouTube and put it in and listen. <laughs> oh, that song! Yeah. <laughs> you have to YouTube your own songs. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't. I don't listen. I don't listen at all. <laughs> I listen when I'm mixing, uh, certainly when I'm recording. I mix, uh, you know, for send tracks to the guys. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And um, but after that, after the things on, you know, out. I I never listen to it. Oh, interesting. It's done. You know, why would I bother listening to it? <laughs> You're always so busy writing as well. And we, we mentioned the, the new Crack the Sky album, but you've got a new solo album as well. It's your fifth solo album. Right. Um, tell us a bit about that then. Uh, Hollywood Boulevard, it, it just the title came to me. Um, I don't know why, but uh, I started fooling with it. Um, and first picked up a groove that I thought would, would work with it. And then that song just spit out of me. I mean, it just came out. Um, no effort whatsoever, uh, which are usually the best songs when, they're, when they yeah. come flowing out like that. Uh, and so recorded that first. Um, and I can't remember which was next, but recorded that first and enjoyed it so much that I said, oh, you know what, maybe I'll try to do a, a solo. And I, I had to see if, if I had the chops uh, left in me after Tribes. So Tribes is a long effort. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of songs on there. Um, 
but I did. I was able to come up with things that I really liked and uh, recorded and mixed them and got them out. Yeah, brilliant. And there's 12 songs on that record. And you pretty much play just about all the instruments and, and music yeah. yourself, don't you, on the album? Yes, I do. Uh, except for the fancy guitar stuff, the, the, the <laughs> guitar work, the acoustic guitar work and the slide guitar work is Bobby Hurd because I can't do that that well. I mean, he can really do it. Yeah. So instead of, you know, feeding my ego, I said, let me call Bob. And, I, <laughs> and so we had a great time. Lots of drinking. Uh, we had a great time. Secret <laughs> to success. Absolutely. And it's all recorded in your own home studio as well. Is that where you're sat right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, around me. But I'm sitting here speaking with you <laughs> so yeah fantastic the the hollywood boulevard album that's out now and um what, what are you guys working on next in terms of crack the sky then because there's some acoustic material you're working on now as well isn't there yeah right now uh i'm writing and just about finished writing the it's called from the wood uh and it's all acoustic which is really a departure for us yeah um and it was uh, interesting for me to write on acoustic guitar again. I haven't done that in years. Uh, and the songs are different. It's really bizarre. Uh, the songs are different, um, certainly than anything that we've done in a long time. Um, and I think it's going to be a beautiful album. I mean, we've got three tracks in the can, uh, and I think it's going to be really a beautiful album. So I'm very excited about that. Good. And is it is it interesting kind of flexing a different muscle then, obviously writing with the acoustic as opposed to anything that you normally do? Exactly right, yeah. Um, when I normally start with a, a, a groove um, and and then I'll, I'll have, you know, I'll have maybe a title or a concept in mind uh, and then I'll put the music in first. I always start the music first or with music first. Uh, and then I'll put the lyric in. Um, this is kind of like they came simultaneously. Uh, I'm playing the acoustic and working out some chord structures. And uh, and in my head, the uh, lyric was already kind of like formulated. Uh, so it was really a bizarre kind of feeling. Like, whoa, here's a song coming right out now. <laughs> And no groove, you know, I put the groove in after, yeah, just for tempo. <laughs> good stuff, man, good stuff. Now, just like one last question from me, then. It's something I ask everybody. We put together a playlist sure. on Spotify, and it's songs that are made up from the artist's own back catalogue. Um, so can you give me one song from your Crack the Sky back catalogue that you'd like to add to this playlist? And give me a reason why you've chosen that song. Putting you on the spot now. Uh let me think. You can you can use uh, "Blowing Up Detroit" or "From the Greenhouse." Those two, okay. I think, would work, would work fine. And I think they uh, uh, the reason why because both of them were so close to smacking through, but didn't quite get that that big audience. So yeah, maybe you can play it. And you'll kick it off, and it'll become a hit in Scotland. <laughs> that would be good. What do you remember about the, the, the writing process or the recording process with the blowing up Detroit then? Um, same thing. We started with the groove. Actually, I swiped the groove from David Bowie. It's uh, oh. It was on his song Modern 
modern romance or modern love. Modern love, yeah. I think one of yeah, modern love, yeah. So it's a it's a great beat. So I said, oh, I like that. So I took that and uh, programmed that in, uh, and and again started with uh, uh, the title because I thought it was a cool title, um, yeah. and I didn't know where I was going with that. You know, it was. Uh, Certainly was not interested in blowing Detroit up. Uh, <laughs> so I made it, uh, it's a body structure song as what, what it's about. Um, and that's, that's how it came about. I, I just, again, started with the Absolutely. group. Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, John, and uh, I wish you the best of luck for, for the acoustic material that you're writing. I hope the groove continues with you with that one, and I urge everyone to go out there and get their hands on Tribes and on, on your new album as well, Hollywood Boulevard. Now, what's the best way of, of keeping in touch with you, John, and, and Crack the Sky? What's the best way for, for listeners to to um, to find out what's going uh, on? YouTube, and we have CrackTheSky.com, uh, and then there's Crack the Sky fan page, which is both those things are loaded up and, and lots of information there. And you can certainly contact us that way. Perfect. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, John. And I wish you the best of luck for the future. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well worth checking them out if you're not overly familiar with them. The new album, Tribes, is very current. It's got great beats. It's modern. Well worth giving it a listen. A quick recap then, the Stone Dead Festival tickets competition that we were running, it closed last weekend and it's time to say well done to Daniel Flatt from Formby who scooped the weekend passes plus camping. Well done Daniel, I'm sure you're going to have a great time seeing Black Star Riders, Gun, Terrorvision and many more top bands too that weekend. Well done you. Right now it's time to take a look at some of the more interesting stories involving classic rock stars in this week's classic rock news with our good friend music journalist with Record Collector Magazine and Universal's You Discover Music. Tim Peacock. How are you, Tim? Hi, Paul. I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, very good. The summer's coming and we hope things are getting a bit easier. So weather's good here today. Can't complain. Oh, look <laughs> at you showing off. It's been chucking it down here in the Highlands of Scotland all day. Here you go. <laughs> well, it has been. Last week was foul in West Cork as well. So, you know, what we, we give it to you, we take it and then we give it to you afterwards, you see. Share and share alike. <laughs> Absolutely. Very right. nice indeed. And you're going to share some information with us now on the, the latest and greatest news when it comes to the classic rock stars aren't you absolutely paul i certainly am an interesting collection of stuff that tonight as well uh let's start with uh, the who who is a good place to start with um and this today actually it's been announced that uh, the who are going to be celebrated on uh, a uk commemorative or series of uk commemorative coins by the royal mint they're going to feature symbols from the band's live performances including a union flat union jack flag the mod logo and a, sp- a speaker smashing rick and Rickenbacker guitar. <laughs> uh, together, the symbols on the coin form a pinball table, a nod to their classic ah. single Pinball Wizard, of course, and the album Tommy. The coin and its range are actually available today, Paul, as well. Uh, using the latest innovative technology and manufacturing techniques, uh, a number of coins will feature a special shockwave effect which radiates from the speaker, elevating the detail of the coin. 
designers and craftspeople at the Royal Mint have developed the, this effect in recognition of the Who's famous sh uh, show at Charlton Athletics Football Ground in 1976, which for a decade held the Guinness Book of Records titles as the loudest concert ever. So, you know, mm. it's a tribute to that. The design is the, is the fourth of the Royal Mint's Music Legends series because they've previously um, celebrated David Bowie, Queen, and Elton John as well. Now, the good news about this, Paul, is, you know, often I'm bringing stories for vintage rock pod fans when it's things which are really, to be honest, well beyond everyone's pocket. But the good news <laughs> with this one is if you want to actually get one of these, and they are available from today, they actually start at five euros, for, sorry, five pounds, five pounds for a brilliant silver coin, and they go up from there. So the, the, there is like, it, there's a kind of a scale with this. There's yeah. other things for like 13, I think, and 22. Now, okay, they do go up. When you get to the very collectible ones at the top, there's actually a limited edition half ounce gold coin. Now that one goes for the princely sum of 595 pounds. But there's only a thousand of those but like i say there are other ones which are going for a fiver and there's another one i think for 13 and another one for 22 if you go to the royal mint website it's just royalmint.co.uk you'll find more information about it there anyway so yeah for who fans that's definitely a bit of memorabilia you'd be interested in Definitely. I mean, who who I makes think. the money off that then? And taking it, the, the Royal Mint makes some off it. Do, do the who's get some for themselves? I imagine they probably do because I mean, a lot. I, I don't know the ins and outs of this, um, but I imagine they probably do. I mean, they're kind of also you know part of the who branding, if you like, aren't they? When you think about yeah. I mean, the Rick and Backer, you know, you think about the Union Jack. I mean tend to think the Union Jack flag is very much associated with the Who, the mod logo, the roundels, of course, you know, even though it's actually an RAF yeah. thing originally, but we always uh, we always celebrate it with the mods <laughs> or associate it with the mods. I don't know. I imagine there's some kind of a breakdown there. Roger Daltrey did comment, it's an honour to have a coin produced to celebrate the Who's musical legacy. The coin's design captures the true essence of the band and what we represent, he says. So there you go. So I imagine that there must be some kind of a deal in there. But um, anyway, like I say, for fans of the Who, um, some of them are reasonably, you know, affordable. So um, certainly, on well under three figures in mo apart from the very top end ones. So could be something <laughs> to worth take. Maybe have a punt on anyway. Yeah. So yeah, definitely sounds good to me. Lovely. What else have you got lined up for us then, Tim? Second one tonight is a good one for Queen fans. Um, there's going to be um, a new uh, graphic novel, uh, which is uh, effectively in tribute to Freddie Mercury, which is coming out. It's going to be published in November. Uh, it's a collaboration between Z2 Comet comics the universal music group and mercury songs limited it's called freddie mercury lover of life and singer of songs uh, and it's billed as quote a journey through freddie's life from his childhood in zanzibar in india through his formative years in england to becoming the rock star known and loved by millions around the globe um unquote so, yeah, but apparently the story is told in his own words, uh, with each chapter giving a glimpse into the many facets of his of his life. So looks quite interesting. Uh, the story has been written by an author called uh, Trez Dean, um, and it's available now. You can pre-order the book now. I had a little look at it the other day. It's on uh, the website, the Z2 website, and it's available exclusively through Z2 
and a special hardcover deluxe edition complete with an exclusive vinyl LP as well, uh, as well as limited edition mm-hmm. prints. Now, the good news for this one is, although it sounds, and it does look pretty good anyway, I did a little look at the website, and it does look quite quite exciting. Um, the good news about this one is it's available for €25 Euros on the Z2 website, so I don't know, that's roughly, what, 21 22 or something in sterling. So, yeah, and it's available for pre-order, so it looks good, and it's it's not terribly expensive as well. So, again, a good bit of merchandise possibly for Queen fans too. So, yeah, that Indeed, might be a good yeah. one. So that's second story tonight. Yeah. Now, I'll save the third one is the one where I must say for vintage rock pod fans, they might find this one perhaps a little beyond their pockets, but it's an interesting story anyway. <laughs> um, I don't know if any vintage rock pod fans fancy buying uh, Dave Mustaine's car. Uh, Dave Mustaine, of course, the frontman from uh, Megadeth, one of the classic um, you know, thrash metal, the big, the big four thrash metal bands. Yep. Uh, anyway, Mr. Mustaine apparently is keen to sell. He has a, an Aston Martin Vanquish Vanquish S car apparently, and he's putting it up for auction. The downside is uh, the current bid stands at sixty five thousand okay. dollars, but <laughs> you can anyone with enough money can bid for this at the moment. It's apparently it's one of approximately only one thousand one hundred V twelve powered examples produced between two thousand and four and two thousand and seven, and it was sold new by Ferrari Maserati of Atlanta in Roswell, Georgia. Um, it's finished in silver over a black leather interior, and power is provided by a five point nine liter V twelve engine mated to a six-speed transmission i really don't know an awful lot about cars but it is pretty powerful it must be said okay uh, the hills yeah exactly yes um so anyway he he's going to, apparently he's going to sell this car uh he worked mustaine apparently used to work as a mechanic i didn't actually know this in huntington beach california in his pre-metallica days yep. of course he was involved with metallica before megadeth got off the ground and he told the site about his aston martin quote i like the fact that i've got james bond's car and it doesn't have my and he doesn't have my guitars if I'm being cheeky but honestly I think it's a really sexy car yeah it's got a lot of muscle it's really sleek and the interior is really comfortable so yeah it's available through a website or the auction house called bringatrailer.com which seems fair enough American auction house called bringatrailer.com so if you check that out and you have 65,000 that's dollars it would be a bit less in, in sterling but still a few quid anyway uh, it's worth checking out. If the, web- it, the website's there, there's some quite nice photos. I did have a look at the photos, which is probably as close as I'm going to get to Dave's <laughs> Aston Martin. But anyway, it's for sale, and it is a, you can bid on it. So, yeah, that's the third one tonight. That's quite an interesting well, Two one. things for me there. $65,000, so that's quite low, I'm thinking, for, for even for a regular Aston Martin. So for one that's been driven by a superstar, you'd expect that to, to be much higher, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. Now, admittedly, that's the current bid, Paul. I mean, it could go higher. I don't, I'm not, yeah. The one thing I'm not entirely sure about is when the bidding finishes on this i think it's there for a little while yet anyway but uh, as you say mm-hmm. i suppose for something of this nature it's something that is uh, you know it's very very unusual i mean you're not going to see many of these kind of things going up for auction so yeah i don't know anyway if you anyone who's 
mad keen on uh, Megadeth, Dave Mustaine, and possibly also James Bond fans. Obviously, you've got the, the Aston Martin <laughs> thing going down there as well. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, there you go. It's for sale at the moment anyway. So there we go. As Dave, Dave would say, peace sells, but peace sells, but who's buying? Yeah. My second <laughs> point is um, he seems to be trying to sell this one quite hard. So is, is the guy falling on hard times? I mean, it seems a bit of a, of a strange <laughs> one, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stories about, I mean, the, the poor man had cancer. He seems to have been it thankfully he had throat cancer yeah. and uh, Megadeth have announced I mean they, they rescheduled that tour that the major European tour they're doing with um, Five Finger Death Punch and I think there's four bands I think Trivium there's four bands on it they've, re- they've announced that he seems to have bounced back um, physically so hopefully and Megadeth apparently have almost finished their new album so I don't know um, you, it would seem that they have reason to be I wouldn't imagine he would be, but who knows? I mean, people have all kinds of reasons, don't they? So anyway, he's putting her up for auction. So as I say, peace sells, but who's buying? (laughs) So that's it, Paul. That's what I've got for tonight. Fantastic stuff from Tim, as always. Now, if this is the first time you've listened to Vintage Rock Pod, then please go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. There's some incredible big names I've interviewed throughout the series that are well worth checking out. Plus, give us a follow or a like on the social media channels too, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, that kind of thing. And why not join the growing list of VRP VIPs? Head to my website, vintagerockpod.com, and sign up for free. It's always going to be free. You'll get one email a week at most, one email, only once, not going to badge you. And you can do that by signing up by going to the form on the front page of that website, vintagerockpod.com. And that's it for this week's Vintage Rock Pod Side 2 then. Another Side 2 episode will be released next Friday with another wide range of guests for you. While the main show comes out each Monday with a big name interview and top five song recommendations. Until the next episode then, if you come across anyone who isn't a fan of rock, just tell them my music is better than yours. Take care.